This is Flyperbole with Steve Jacot and Craig Forsyth. Two guys that sincerely hope Brady Kachuk knew what he was getting into when he messed with Scott Lawton. I mean, my God. Is he sure? Folks, the original Jerk Store, the Jerk Store's all-time bestseller himself, Travis Konechny. He's hurt. It's no good. It's no bueno. Yeah, it's, it's not ideal. It's, uh, it's not what I would want with the Flyers right now, Steve. Let me be the first. Let me be the first to say that. The first to say that? The very first to say I'm not pleased with the Travis Konechny injury. Uh, it sucks. It sucks a lot. That's my hard hitting yeah. analysis. <laughs> it sucks. It sucks a lot. Yeah. Well, the, the thing is, you know, on top of being a, a pot stirrer, on top of being a rat, a player that every other fan, you know, fans of other teams absolutely loathe, but would love to have him on their team. I, I mean, he's just been scoring this year. Yeah. Konechny has been the Flyers' best offensive player. So, yeah, it, it hurts to see him go down like this. Yeah. I mean, uh, he's definitely like the biggest pest on the team but he also leads the team in every major scoring category right now uh 29 points or 28 points katori is uh, second with 22 he's got uh, 11 goals which is tied with limblom for the team lead and then he's got 17 helpers which is uh two more than voracek who's second with 15 uh so you lose that and a guy who two of the best lines this year have been drew frost and Konechny and limblom katori and Konechny. so you're losing a guy that seemingly whatever whatever line he was playing on was always the team's best line. So they're going to have to figure out a way to keep the defensive tendencies intact and still just make up for his offense, which is it's it's a going to be a tall order. It's not going to be an easy uh, couple of games here or weeks. Uh, not really quite sure how long he's going to be out for. Right, because he's got a concussion, and, mm-hmm. and look, concussions are they're not an exact science. There is. Nothing that you can really assume with them, especially at this point, given all the what we do know about concussions. So, and it's not something you want to rush. You want to make sure somebody is right before you bring them back from a concussion. Yeah, yeah, and that's a yeah. We have no idea. I think even Av was talking about possibly being back for, or being back towards like the end of the the road trip here. But I wouldn't be. I don't know. I wouldn't put too much stake in that. I, I kind of think. We just got to wait and see how long it is and expect them to be out for a while and uh, and just go from there. I, I'm kind of, I kind of wish they would call somebody up, but I mean, I guess we'll talk about that in a second, but I, I, I don't get, I don't really like uh, Pitlick moving up into the top six either. I don't know how you feel. No, no. Yeah. It's, it, I was looking at those lines earlier today. So what we're, what we're currently looking at, we're looking at Frost, Giroux and Pitlick, which I think when most people saw Connecty was going down, I think they were expecting, you know, you'd bump up JVR yeah. back into the top six, if not the top nine, just because that makes the most sense. He's a guy who can score. He's a guy who is a a reliable player, even if he is streaky as goal scorers tend to be. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a fair assessment, and I think I, I think he's still getting a fair amount of chances this year. It's just not finishing 
on anywhere near the amount anybody wants him to. So I thought he was going to move up into the top six with uh, with Drew and Frost, and then he would still keep the Limblom Couturier Voracek line intact. But uh, AV is going with Pitlick, who, like I was saying before, uh, I've kind of kind of opened up to Pitlick a little. I've I've accepted him. I've let his love in. I think he's become a better player. You've accepted <laughs> Tyler Pitlick into your heart? Yes, I, I've accepted the liquor of Pitts. I think he is... He's a fine fourth liner, and I think that's. Do you accept the liquor of Pitts and all the hockey he brings with him into your heart? <laughs> yes, yes, I do. And he, uh, he, he's just a fourth line dude. I don't know what to say. I was, he doesn't really provide a ton of offense. His defense, his underlying defensive numbers are better, but uh, he doesn't produce the same effect on offense. So when he's out there, there's not a lot of scoring chances going either way. It seems, uh, and. AV put out a couple reasons for why he put uh, Pitlick in the top six on Drew's line over JVR. And uh, this is from Via Melter. AV said, had to do with these two things, balance of the lines and comfort of the position. There's no doubt that Tyler has been playing well and working extremely hard, but JVR has been playing hard. So that's where my dilemma was. And then also from Jordan Hall, he said that AV said, thought James Van Riemslake looked the best he's seen today. Adjustments could be made during the game on Wednesday. So it could just be something that they want to see how Pitlick looks on that line. And then if he looks like Tyler Pitlick, they just put JVR up there. So, like, these arguments I get, but it's still just, I mean, it's JVR Pitlick. And I I know JVR be going on the off wing. He doesn't usually play on the right. He usually plays on the left. And that was the whole thing because Drew's, you know, Drew's not going to get knocked down. And he's on the left side right now. So I think that was another argument that for why Pitlick should be put up there. And Pitlick has looked good the last couple of games, but it's still it's fucking JVR. It's still Tyler Pitlick. Yeah, it's still between these two guys. And JVR, it's not – I really just think it's a thing of he's not – now it's, he's just not getting ice time, which is fair because he wasn't producing, but I don't see him getting out of it playing next to Mikhail Vorobiev and Chris Stewart now. Like he's going to have to eventually – play along wait 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 you mean he's not going to be getting chances with misha vorobiev and chris stewart (laughs) i'll tell you what i don't think so but we'll see we'll see how that goes out we'll see what he does with those uh five minutes of five on five time play a night but uh they just play nine defensemen i was thinking about that i was thinking of the weird things like uh, you go nine forwards and nine defensemen eight forwards ten defensemen get real defensive out there instead of running three forwards and two defensemen just have two forwards and three defensemen (laughs) Let's get freaky with it, guys. There's no reason to play Chris Stewart. Yeah, I mean, there's there's really there's there's really not. And also, it's just well, I was running through. Uh, let's see, there were the other options that could have come up from Lehigh Valley. Uh, some of them, uh, according to uh, inside source with the fandoms at Broad Street Hockey, aka Maddie, Andy Androff, German Rubsoff, Maxime Shushko are all injured in terms of fours that could have called up. Andy, Andy, Andy's hurt. Yeah, Andy, Andy, Andy's hurt, and I. Hurt, hurt, hurt. By the way, I think he uh he would have been like the guy I would have just like calling up again. He was fine. He did fine on the fourth line. You know he's not going to get bumped up anywhere like Tyler Pitlick and uh, the fourth line drove player for a couple games. Didn't really have any big gaffes. I'll take that. That's fine. I mean, not exciting, but I'll take it. And then all the other guys. I mean, we always talk about NAK. I don't think he's going to come up. David Kashe is a guy I would like to see, but I, I don't think he's going to come up either. 
And then some of the other prospects we've seen are they're not really like ready. Isaac Radcliffe, Radcliffe, Radcliffe has six points in 18 games so far, and he's got pretty bad a pretty bad shot attempts four percentage in the AHL. That's via uh, Brad's fancy stats site. And then uh, we saw Connor Bonneman. Not <laughs> is that is that what it's called? It's Brad's actually called fancy stats, fancy stats yeah, <laughs> with a P A and C Y. It's very it's good it's uh, it's good stuff. It's on brand. So. Uh, Connor, Connor Bunneman though, we, we saw what Connor Bunneman was. And even in the AHL now, he's got one goal in eight games. So he's not really lighting up the league below the NHL. And then Carson Torinsky is a guy who has three points in 10 games so far in the AHL. And he, I, I mean, I, I don't really want Torinsky back up. I want to see if NAK or David Kache could do something with a, a little bit of more extra time in the NHL. Well, if Kache could get a chance in the NHL, he hasn't really, he hasn't been up here yet, so. Well, you're going to get Chris Stewart, and you're going to like it. Yeah, him. we're going to take Chris Stewart, and we're going to deal. And honestly, I mean, if if Konechny is only out for two or three games, and we have to have two or three straight games with Stewart on the fourth line, that's fine to me. But it's a – we don't know how long, how long he's going to be out. So I don't want to watch 15 games knowing that the fourth line can't go out there at all. And then also hear about how JVR is not scoring when he's getting five minutes a night with those two. And probably, you know, it's probably going to hurt the Flyers' chances of winning most games. You're playing a lot of, a lot of games for staying in, or a lot of games going past regulation. Uh, you know, those couple minutes with the fourth line out there, they play a pretty pivotal role. Yeah, yeah, you know, just a little bit, just a, little, just a smidge. Yeah, just a little bit. Oh. So you have an interesting point on the sheet here. That's actually Kurt's point, but I know you don't like to give Kurt credit yeah, no, for yeah. we're, we're, anything. We're gonna we're gonna take it. So. I pretty much I was coming in with the I I get the reasoning behind Pitlick being put up into the top six. I guess if that makes sense. I'm not the biggest fan. I would want JVR up there. But it seems like today people really kind of like went off on why JVR is terrible and sucks. And like this is a big sign that he's in AV's doghouse. And he could be. But I think where I was kind of losing, uh, I guess, interest in the argument or kind of losing what stock of the argument is when people were saying that Pitlick was just playing better and harder and plays more defensively than JVR. And the first line of defense to say that's wrong is to just look at all, you know, the underlying numbers and like how the teams are actually doing when they're out there. That wasn't enough for people. So I feel like this stat is pretty good to indicate, like if you think JVR is lacking defensively, then what is like what's happening here. So at five and five, JVR has played a hundred more minutes than Tyler Pitlick. JVR has played 352 minutes in one second at five and five. And Pitlick has played 253 minutes in 10 seconds. All these numbers are from natural stature, by the way. Um, Pitlick has been on the ice for 11 goals against JVR has been on the ice for 10. This is pretty much a distorted version of plus minus, which is a terrible argument. But again, if you're not going to take all the other numbers that indicate to you more clearly that JVR is not a defensive liability, and he's doing fine, and we're just going to come back to this because there's really – I don't know how you want to decipher that and say that JVR is on the ice for a lot of goals against and burying the team when Pitlick's been out there for more goals against and a lot less 5-on-5 five five time. Like it kind of hurts this, your argument this a is lot. Essentially, this is essentially Mythbusters Flyers edition. Yeah, right Mythbusters. Yeah, JVR is doing – just fine well that's the thing and that's the thing with jvr is just it's not people want a goal score they don't care if he just scores goals they just want his 30 35 goals a year but then those same people get upset when that 30 35 goal score hits a rough stretch and it again it's with jvr it's not the lack of chances 
It's the lack of finishing. And, right. I mean, and that could be a problem. That could be a problem he's having this year. But I, the guy that had 27 goals in 66 games last year, he had 36 goals in Toronto in a season. I don't think he randomly lost that overnight. And that's pretty much been the argument. It's just if he's having a problem finishing, he didn't lose his finishing skill. If he's getting the chances, it'll come back. Um, well, and it's also, it's Tyler Pitlick and it's <laughs> Ty- Tyler Pitlick, the liquor of pits is essentially your new Vandevelde, your new Belmar. He's a well, little better than those guys, yeah, but yeah, 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 I mean, is, but essentially is. for his role on the team, that's, that's who he is. He's a Vandevelde. He's a Belmar. He is a, uh, well, he's a Hartman, the guy he was oh, traded for. He's not, Phil Oh yeah. My, oh, Phil Peele himself. No, I, I mean, Pitlick is, look, he's fine, but he is essentially a replacement-level player, to borrow a term from MLB, right? Uh, yeah, pretty much. He he's has he has good defensive numbers this year. Like, when you look at his RA, his uh, regularized, adjusted, uh, plus-minus, RAPM, whatever that is. Yeah, um, I, that's an advanced stat thing. When you look at those numbers, his defensive numbers are fine. And every, what did you say, RIPD? <laughs> RIP, yeah, pretty much. That's all you have to go. That's what... Uh, yeah, the podcast, yeah. Uh, but it's, for Pitlick, he just, when you look at all the underlying numbers, he is he's helping the team eliminate a lot of chances against, but then everything offensively, the team generates a lot less offensively when he's on the ice, even though they're also uh, suppressing a lot of chances against. So when he's out there, it's just a lot of nothing going on. But compared to the rest of the team, defensive defense-wise, he's doing pretty well in that aspect. So it's not a lot of nothing going on. That's a, a very of... inspirational thing. <laughs> he, he, I think he is better than like Van Develde, which again, not a high bar. But like, and then the last couple of games, I've seen him, I've noticed him making good plays, more shifts than not in the games he's played recently. Which this is not me really complaining about Tyler yeah. Pitlick, mind you, because like, the, yeah. I do think he's been pretty good. I think he's been better than anticipated for sure, but. I don't think he's a first-line player. It's like Michael Roffel. Uh, honestly, yep. if you want to talk about it, Mike, the off-complained about Michael Roffel inexplicably. Uh, <laughs> this fan base just hates Michael Roffel, really and he is just a fine player. Just a fine player. And guess what? Michael Roffel, if uh, he was healthy, probably wouldn't have Chris Stewart in the lineup. So, uh, yeah, yeah. just saying that. But, um, and, you know, I probably would feel a little more comfortable with Raffle in the top six than Pitlick just oh, because oh. Raffle's been there. And again, he's he's fine. He's not. He's yeah. not anything spectacular, but Michael Raffle's fine, but he isn't a guy who ideally you want in the top six or anywhere near the top six. Yeah, I, honestly, this feels like a. If there was ever an argument to be made about how a fourth liner should be in the top six over a struggling, you know, premier player or a guy who's paid to score goals this would probably be the argument you would want most for that but even in this situation i'm still picking jvr over Pitlick. like it's just not jvr has to get he just has to get more chances and like that was the whole thing with uh, a couple of weeks back when they ran 11 and 7 against carolina i think av went on the whole thing about how 11 and 7 enables the coach to put out two guys for more shifts than they would usually get or the 11 forwards get more shifts than they usually get because it's not really about ice time it's about getting to the flow of the game and just getting out there and then jvr is being put on the fourth line so he's kind of going against what he's saying with that but uh and again we're, we're taking this with uh you know maybe not a grain of salt maybe 
Is it more salt, less salt? I don't know. But we do fully realize that this could just be to start the game in Colorado. Yeah, yeah. And then by mid-game, all these lines could be completely jumbled up. We've seen AV do it before, and it wouldn't be a shocker to see that. But based on the information we have, that's how we are discussing uh, the Flyers lineup right here. Yeah, and honestly, I mean, AV is going to probably put the blender on if he's got... If he's without his top goal scorer and you're going up against a team like the Avs on Wednesday, he's probably going to... I don't think Pitlick's going to finish the game on the first line there. Or on the line with Frost and Drew. I don't know if you want to call Lindblom, Couturier, and Voracek the top line, but I feel like... I mean, that is if it's not, you know, nine defensemen. <laughs> that is true. If it's not <laughs> if it's not six forwards and 12 defensemen. Why has nobody tried that? Just let the forwards play forward. Or let the defensemen play forward and then let the forwards play defense. Do you ever so the 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 old Sammy Kapanen special? Yeah, yeah, just, yeah, just switch it up. Yeah, <laughs> we need him. When you play NHL, when you play NHL, do you ever have a defenseman get hurt and then you throw like a forward in there and then double shift another forward? <laughs> yeah, I've, yeah, I've done that before. I do that all the time. Like I usually throw Scott Lawton back on defense on like the third pairing <laughs> just because. Your defensemen just run out of energy so much quicker, so it's, you know. I remember there was a time, I mean, it was like years ago now, but when I did a franchise, I just got bored and then just acquired forwards and then just put them all over the ice. Like, I would just, I did that. There used to be a thing with, like, the HUD team, you could change positions, so I would just try and change them all to, like, forward to defensemen. Just at one point in time, I want to have five forwards out there, so it's just an obnoxious amount of offense. And everybody was just rushing out the ice and cutting to the net. <laughs> it was just pandemonium. <laughs> uh, just everybody's yeah. attacking. It's just a team yeah. of Ovies. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. It's right to the net. Uh, and also Myers is out, too. I mean, that's Myers is out, but he sh- he could be back for the game on Wednesday. It sounds like he won't be. And it sounds like he may not even be guaranteed to be back for the weekend. But it doesn't sound as – it's nowhere near as serious an issue with Konechny. But I'm trying to look at more stuff for um, – I mean, that's a big thing with connecting. It's just JBR still on the fourth line. Pitlick is up in the top six, and it's Stewart on the third line. I, I, and the other point for why they put Pitlick on the top line was to keep the other, the, the middle six lines, Lindblom, Katori, Voracek, uh, Farabee, Hayes, and Lawton together. Because Farabee, Hayes, and Lawton, I know their numbers weren't great on Saturday. Oh, no, I mean, Lawton had a great game on Saturday, and uh, they looked pretty good last week as well. So... Uh, with that line L- Lawton, who basically came out with a vengeance after TK was hurt. Oh yeah, he had a monster game on on Saturday after that, and and, that, and then he went and got jumped at the end of the game yeah. by uh, Kachuk Jr. Yeah, but yeah, so like usual, Kachuk uh, Kachuk tendencies do chicken shit on the ice, not win championships. It runs in the family, you know, same old. <laughs> but uh, it's yeah, I mean, okay. So what did you think about that whole Lawton situation? Situation. Like, what did, did I think you, about the whole Lawton situation? In what respect? So, I mean, I think he was due for something because he, I mean, he just yelled at the bench after the game-winning goal. So, like, when he was out there in the last minute, I thought shit could have gone down. I think it was still kind of bullshit that Kachuk jumped on, jumped on him while he was on the ice. Okay, it was uh, bullshit that Kachuk jumped him on the ice. Uh, I, I understand that Lawton, you know, his hand is still, like, bandaged up, so he can't get into a full-on fight, but it's bullshit. You don't jump a guy. And here's the thing. 
why in God's name would you jump a guy down one goal? Oh yeah, dumbest thing ever. Yeah, I. That's the thing. If if they if the Flyers score an empty netter and are up two, jump them. I mean, yeah. don't jump them, but you know, if you're gonna jump them, jump them down two. Don't jump them down one. That's a winnable game. Yeah. Well, I think okay. So if I remember correctly, he took he took a cross checking penalty. So like. You know, the whole thing started was he cross-checked Lawton, and then he dropped down to the ice, and then I think he saw the ref's hand go up, and then he jumped Lawton, I guess. What a hero. What a hero. Yeah, so he was like, Brady could yeah, jump. So he was True like, oh, American hero. May as well start throwing punches at the back of this guy's head. Canadian, you know? I guess. But, I mean, it's a chicken shit move, right? It's a chicken shit move. Yeah, it's bullshit. But, move, but... I mean, I, look, I would have lost my shit if one of the Flyers did that in his situation where you're in a game that you can still tie up and you go and you take a stupid penalty. It was a stupid penalty, oh. and then jump a guy like that. You're you're essentially ending the game yourself right there. Yeah, yeah. And I um, <laughs> I mean, I'll I'll take it. it. The Flyers needed it on Saturday. They're really trying to fuck up that game. But again, yeah, it was just a it was a dumb move. I I'm not really, I guess, just giving him a fine. I thought he could he could have gotten a game for that. Maybe I don't know. But I guess a fine makes sense. Uh, he was fined. Where is it? It's fined the maximum amount allowed by the uh, the CBA, which was like two thousand something dollars. And um, hooray! Yeah, where is it? Da, 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 da. Yeah, I can't find it. Oh, two thousand four hundred eighty-six. Uh, two thousand four hundred eighty-six dollars fifty-six cents. There you go. So that'll be uh, that'll be on some quiz later this year for you, Steve. I hope you're excited. <laughs> oh wow! What did you think of the hit? The it's. Borvieski, it's not Borowiecki, Borowiski. Yeah, Borvieski. Borvieski. Uh, it doesn't look right I, to me, but I will go with it. I believe that's how you say it. Again, that's I was, you know, made sure with some highlights, and uh, you know my history not saying names right. I wanted to make sure I got it, so I'm pretty sure it's Borvieski. Okay, I, I'm gonna so trust you on this yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah, but I, uh, I think the the hit was more. I don't think the hit was too dirty. I don't think it was anything aggressively dirty. I think it was just more brawn kind of put him in a bad spot with the pass and then Konechny took a split second to look for the pass after it hit his skate and then Borvieski just uh took a chance to lay out Konechny I mean I I feel like if it was the other way around I wouldn't have been and the flyer got suspended for that hit I think I would have been upset because uh, I really don't think it's a I don't think it was a malicious play I think it was just a bad pass and unfortunate result yeah I, I just reviewed the hit again uh, before the show and I have to agree with your assessment I, I think the pass isn't great from Braun and the problem is it's a clean hit he hits him with his arms between the shoulder blades and this is just a huge guy hitting a much smaller guy and kind of annihilating him so it, it sucks it sucks but it's not a Scott Stevens hit he's not a war criminal for that hit yeah I agree <laughs> And it's just, uh, I mean, it's not often that there, there are still big open ice hits, but there's not really, it's not too often that there's a hit like that in the open ice that results in an injury where there really shouldn't be any kind of repercussions for it. And I, I don't know. I'm not really too worried about, like, nobody on the ice, I guess, went after Borvieski after that hit, which, again, if it was a clean hit, I'm not really too worried about. But then later in the game, when all the fights broke out, we saw players, uh, after the Lawton thing, we saw Vor Vorchek get in there and try and get on Kachuk, and we saw everybody come to 
Bowen's defense. So there are a lot of people that were, or not a lot of people, but I heard some people saying how the Flyers need to trade for a guy like, like a Tom Wilson type or a Josh Anderson type. And I don't really know if that is needed right now. I kind of think, I kind of think they have guys that will stand up for each other. If shit goes down. Or if you know, you're about to go into another highly contested game, like you're, they're playing the centers next week, you can have Chris Stewart in the lineup for that one game. That would be my, I guess my plan. Yeah. But I think the team did a good job of picking up for connect the, after the hit. I, I don't yeah. think, they, I, I don't think an enforcer is really needed for that kind no, of uh, situation. Enforcer, yeah, no, yeah, no. I thought Charlie had a, a good write up on that where uh, Charlie O'Connor, where he was mentioning how the team picked up, uh, and it used to be Wayne Simmons would step up there, but I mean, you had a couple fights. I think Farabee got into a fight, which was I did not expect yeah. to see coming. Jake Voracek fought, and yeah. Scott Lawton was hitting anything the moves. Yeah, it was. Uh, what were the fights here? It was Faraby against um, J.G. Pajot, and then Voracek fought Nick Paul. And oh, Voracek, God, I... not the bees! <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Faraby, by the way. I mean, you, know, you want to talk about our, our new friend of the show? Best friend of the show? <laughs> Best friend of the show, for yeah. Joel Faraby. Joel Joel Faraby. Oh, the sign guy. Yes, yeah, si- yeah. sign man. Sign man. Sign man. Sorry, I didn't so know. The other th- this is, okay, so I, I know a good amount about Flyers history. This is a weird blind spot for me because we got a lot of responses to the sign guy talk last night. The sign man, sign man is what he goes by. Uh, the sign man talk last week. We got a lot of responses. We do appreciate everybody, you know, reaching out with their articles and everything. That said, that said, sign man is just kind of weird to me. And uh, I kind of just like making fun of the accordion folder and uh, calling it a day. Yeah, I'll, I'll, he seems a little, a little bit like a weird bird, but I mean, I don't really, yeah, I don't really give a shit about sign man, sign guy. I, he can keep holding up signs. I do like the details. I'm glad everybody got a lot of research in there. A lot of research, and we, I especially appreciate, appreciate the listener that went and sat a few rows behind and gave us the full report on that one. <laughs> <laughs> that was fantastic, actually. I love that. But he, just let him be. I, he just needs, he can hold up the signs. There's nothing wrong. We're just. I don't think anybody uh, was saying that, like, you know, we don't think he can hold up the signs. But they were saying there's a lot of research out there on the sign man. And I, you know, there's just no way to know. I know you sent me all the ways to know, but I, there's no way to know. I, I guess the thing is, like, I'm both interested by this bizarreness and also not. I just love the idea that you said we're not saying he can't hold the signs. Like, we're going to become... Let him hold the like, signs, Craig. We're going to become a podcast that's like, I don't believe in his skills. He can't hold signs like he used to. He used to hold them above his head. Now he's just holding them at his chest level. You can see the age is wearing him down. You're saying the point is that we think he's just too old to hold signs properly. We think it's time to retire. Yeah. That's our hot take of the week. Is this that, time for sign man be our, to retire? Yeah, that's going to be our new stance. It's just... Uh, we're gonna become the uh, we're gonna become the haters for him, so he's fueled to do this for like another fifteen years and become the greatest Flyers fan out there. So, Simon, I'm gonna call him Simon. So then it Simon. gets real confusing between Simon and Simon. So Simon, Simon. Each so each time we talk about Simon and I say Simon, they'll be like, "What'd you say?" I'm like, "Don't worry about it." I Simon. said Simon. Oh. oh. <laughs> I can't wait to see that meme in a couple days now. <laughs> Just his face on the uh, the Eagles from It's Always Sunny. 
Oh, no, no, no. You got to put him on the day, man. You got to put him on uh, oh, the day, man. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. In the big like... yellow suit and the top hat. Please send us that Photoshop. You're a master of karate and signage for everyone. You want to talk about. Uh, do you hate the senators? I fucking hate the senators. I've hated them for a while. They've been useless for a while. But at heart, I hate them. Oh, and it's yeah. Not, I mean, it goes. There was obviously the 2004 brawl. Um, I hate the senators was, like I hate the Buffalo Sabers, right? Like the the Flyers yeah, the had like a thing. weird thing with those those franchises back in the early 2000s, and I have never forgiven it. I've never forgotten it or forgiven it. I hate them both. Yeah, you have. Yeah, but at some point, Steve, they say you got to forgive and forget. But to those people. I say you've never watched the Flyers and Senators. So also, I was I mean, going to say whole... those people just aren't Flyers fans because we neither forgive yeah. nor forget. We remember everything. We forgive nothing. That is Philadelphia Flyers hockey right there. It's yeah. not fly or die. It's never forget. <laughs> <laughs> those people can kick rocks. There are the same people that also say when life gives you lemons, you know, make lemonade. And I say when life gives you lemons, throw lemons at people. But the whole thing with the Flyers and Senators, they had the 2011 brawl. Do you remember that? The line brawl. The Flyers were up six to one late. Andre Mazaras got in a fight. It was a whole dumb thing. Oh, big news, uh, yeah. Steve Downey's hit on Dean McCammon, which I still I still picture in my head all the time because it was the craziest illegal hit I've seen in maybe forever. It's pretty bad. Uh, and then even last year, Lawton and Kachuk got into it last year. There wasn't I don't think there was a fight, but that early season win where the Flyers won seven to four after they got fucking handled at home eight to two by the Sharks. Um Lawton and Kachuk got into it, and then there's another like dust up earlier in the game too. It was a really, it was a really chippy game back then. And if the Flyers are going to struggle to beat this really shitty team, it's only going to get worse. Like I can't imagine what, I can't imagine what next week is going to be like. But yeah, I, the the Senators are the Sabers to me. They're the same type of thing. A lot of playoff series back when the Flyers actually be like used to be good, and there were always intense battles, and there were just always a lot of stupid angles. That you'd, like I think of the 2002 playoff series all the time and it is painful because <laughs> they only had it, goals yes of course it's games. painful you don't want to think about that series yeah it was so bad that was a checkmonic oh. series right yeah yeah it was yeah and oh. fedotanko scored in game one in overtime to win one nothing and then the flyers lost out it's this yeah. moment that i wish there was a visual aid to this podcast to show everybody the grotesque faces i'm making thinking about the 2002 Flyers Senators series. It's just not, not something that humanity should revisit. <laughs> yeah, I will say, and this is again, I've mentioned this before, but my, one of my favorite things about that was I think game five, I think it was Tarion actually, or McGillis, one of those two, you know, dealer's choice. Uh, they ended that, the shutout streak and the game was on ESPN and Jack Edwards said something like, Oh, pigs can fly. And my dad was like, go fuck yourself, Jack Edwards. <laughs> <laughs> Your father like, was a true hero. <laughs> just remember that reaction immediately. So, oh, well, you anyway, know, Jack Edwards, God. Yeah, just getting pissed at Jack Edwards, so, which is a, a tradition like none, no other. Yeah, but, yeah. Ja- uh, I mean, Jack uh, Edwards is just horrible. And I, by the way, a quick shout out to Marcel Christ, listener who had uh, had gone and done our scouting report on the, uh, the sign man. Simon, oh, yeah. Simon, lot, Simon. Were, Simon Saga. Simon. Uh, there were a lot of people that were tweeting at us, but she did provide the, uh, they did provide the uh, the biggest uh, 
biggest report. Yeah, about, she uh, sent the scouting report, Simon. which is you know, yeah, it really. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there were a lot of links on that, but only one person went to the game and spied on sign men for us. So. <laughs> uh, well, do you want to keep rolling with the listener stuff here? Because I think we actually too, because uh, Matt Egbert also took a picture and said, "Sign guy yeah. looking ready as hell." Yeah, I did see that, and I, it looked like sign guy was looking directly at Matt with that one. So that and, was uh... it, well, he was looking into our souls, saying, "Why don't you know more about our history?" He held up a sign that was like, bring me on the podcast. Then, <laughs> yeah, real weird. Oh, <laughs> the sign up uh, that said, Flyperbole is only the third best podcast on Broad Street Hockey. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe fourth. <laughs> yeah, probably, we're top five, though. I mean, <laughs> we're top five, yeah. <laughs> we're top five podcasts at Broad Street Hockey. They can't, I'm going to the grave with that. So uh, I wanted he to. He just held up a sign that said, let Kelly on. <laughs> yeah yeah bring kelly on bring badge updates back it's all it's all coming back to us now yeah sign guys leading the charge what if what if kelly and the batch came on at the same time what what if kelly came on for a batch update what if that was something that happened in january that's all i'm saying hey buddy Guess what has been in the works with this guy for myself that I haven't told anybody else. That was the thought I had. I was thinking the same thing. That's what I was gonna. That's what I'm going for. That's so Kelly's gonna be on in January. Oh wow! So uh, and it's a good thing that Kelly doesn't listen, or else she would hear this and, and tweet yeah. us. Yeah, but until then, we can just make fun of her on this podcast until uh until that podcast. Hi, Kelly. And just. <laughs> Uh, do you want to – I thought we got a pretty good question from Topher that I thought we could talk about for the the game coming up next week against the Senators. It's from Topher John. It's Gritty's back, uh, at Gritty's Backup. What's the greatest, however unlikely, way to enact justice on the Sens when we play them on the 21st? Bonus points for invo- uh, anything that involves Santa Gritty. So pretty much uh, – I mean, I, I – just remind them they're the senators. I don't know. There would have to be. It would have to be reenacting the 2004 brawl. That would be another good one. Just continuously play the. Well, they're going to be in Ottawa. I was going to say continuously play the Chris Gunitz goal from 2017, and just play that on loop until they uh, they all go home and cry. I don't really. Uh, oh, I got yeah. one. Yeah, I was going to say you're better at these. I got one. It's Zidane Chara Jersey night. Oh, show geez. up. Right, and throw go. your preferred Zidane Chara jersey onto the ice. Future Hall of Famer Zidane Chara, who did not play most of his career with the Ottawa Senators, as he might have been able to if they hadn't just stupidly not kept him. But no, he's a Boston Bruin. He won a cup with the Bruins. And guess what? That's who he's probably going in the Hall of Fame as. It's certainly not the Ottawa Senators. So there is your revenge. Yeah, that's pretty good. Uh Maybe you Gritty do. shows up with with a bunch of jerseys and he just starts because Gritty can't wear it because that you know he, he's Gritty he can only wear Flyers colors but if he just starts tossing them out just every team or maybe he just focus on on Bruins jerseys just go ha 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 <laughs> I was gonna say uh, a Eugene Melnick Christmas card that uh, a thank you card from. Uh, Eugene Melnick thanking the fans, but when you open it up, it's just four options to which city the senator should relocate to. Mm. And then asked about that. It's a good one. What about lift coupons? Another good one. 
that should be like the intermission you know how they have like the uh all the the mascots like race during uh in between innings with baseball yeah they should just have um they should just have that they should have a list a lift race around the ice and it's just uh whichever player can dunk on their coach quicker that's how you move up and down (laughs) or what about do you remember the flyers used to have this weird like little blimp fly around the arena oh, like yeah, i do what the hell happened to that i don't know but like yeah, what if yeah <laughs> what, what if it's the lift blimp and it's yeah. just <laughs> dropping coupons everywhere and it's also talking shit on the senator's coach yeah it's just like that your name's rj smith it's like dj smith oh yeah yeah i'm a blimp so i'm not gonna i don't know why you're talking i do what happened to those fucking blimps though because i remember those they, there must have been it must have like died out in the air and hit somebody in the head once. That must have been what happened. That's my stance on I, that. I'm guessing that's what happened. I perhaps they, you know, I, I can't even think of it. Maybe too many drunk jackasses tried to take a ride on it, like jump up and and just grab <laughs> on and see what well, happens. Yeah. yeah, maybe. Yeah, that that might be it. But uh, I mean, if you, if any company is out there and they're contemplating bringing back a blimp in stadium. In arena, do it. That's that's where I'm at. You should go ahead and do it. That's my stance. Fly perbole, pro blimp. Should we? How much? How much do you think it would cost to get a fly perbole blimp? I mean, what could it, what could it possibly cost? Ten dollars. Yeah, and also again, we are the fifth best podcast at BSH. That's got to move. Yeah, it's got to move a little money. You know? That's got to I mean, move some money. Come on, that's, that's popularity. Least, you probably went from paying for a blimp to getting like two or three free. Can so, you just uh, imagine? Can you just imagine? A little old blimp flying through the Wells Fargo Center intermission with our friend the rat on it, dropping <laughs> some God sort of fly purpley merch that doesn't exist yet, but would presumably exist in this fantasy world. And the crowd just going, what in God's name <laughs> am I looking at? It's just like Guy Fieri, like, like stickers and like Cole yeah. Beasley, like, sorry, not sorry. And like, what am I looking at? Why? I, Why does any I, of this I, exist? I think it should be the blimp should just be a big rat and then it just carries Guy Fieri and it drops out Guy Fieri every once in a while. And then it just moves back down, Guy Fieri back up, and then goes over to another section and drops him on more fans. Like you just go around the rink just dropping Guy Fieri on unsuspecting fans. I I a hundred percent know the message will get lost. Like people are gonna go, Is this is this anti union? I don't understand. Are the fires going to be on Triple D? What's the deal here? Why is there a blimp? What's happening? Speaking of inflatable rats, I work in Old City, and there's been Ooh. a union protest going on near my work for, I don't know, months at this point. And they have, like, five of those union rats out there. The big inflatable. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, so they're uh, they're pretty serious about the whole unionizing thing. They got they're, five of them. And they're very, well, it's a lot of rats. You usually just see one. Yeah. There's five. And have you ever yeah. seen have you ever seen the fat cat? Uh no. I don't think so. The fat cat is the most elaborate one of all, where it's like it's this cat in a business suit and he's like strangling or eating the American worker or something like that. Oh, alright, nice. I yeah. wanna see I want you know who I want to interview? I want to interview the person that designed the fat cat. And and <laughs> See what his life is like, or or her. See, uh, you know, see what their life is like, and what inspired them to create really absurdly elaborate inflatable. Animals. Sit them down. 
to an interview, and just the first one is, "Do you need a hug? Do you want? Do you want to see? Do you want to just hang out? Are you all right? How's it going?" And also, think... what do you think of the Flyers' power play? Should they permanently keep through? <laughs> do they, the what side? do they need? To, <laughs> what do they need to do on the zone entries? Why do they keep floating Drew around? Do you what? You tell me what's going on. Uh, excuse lay... me. In your expert opinion, do you think Ghost is busted, or do you think he can? Uh, he still got it. So that just led way to a perfect, and I think Bill's already used this, but I mean, we can, we can, you know, we can play drives, Bill. Uh, whenever it's official that Ghost is a bust, we can use Ghostbuster as a as an article line. That's that's on the record, by the way. That's ours. So Yeah, yeah. I love the remake. The remake was better than the original, right? <laughs> Who are you gonna call? <laughs> Shane Goss Despair. Nice. I like it. Do you wanna you wanna talk about these lines real quick? Go over these lines. Talking about I mean, the lines. It was uh, so it's Drew, Drew Frost and Pitlick, as we said, and then also Limblanc, Dory Voracek, Lawton Hayes, Farabee, JVR Vorobiev, Vorobiev Stewart, and then on defense because Myers left Saturday's game early with back spasms, left Monday's practice early with back spasms, and it sounds like he is not going to play on Wednesday, but could be back this weekend. Hag has worked his way back to the lineup, so now it is Provorov, Niskanen, Sandheim, Braun, and Ghost and Hag on defense. Uh, the power play units are Giroux, Limblom, Couturier, Voracek, and Ghost on power play one. Power play two is Hayes, Frost, JVR, Provorov, and Niskanen. And for the games? Question mark? Move it on to the games? Want to do some games? For the games? Sure. Alright, Arizona game. I was there, thought it was pretty much played into Arizona's hands. But before that, uh, 60.98 uh, shot attempts, four percentage, and a 58.07 expected goals, four percentage. So it was a pretty good game in terms of uh, controlling the puck and staying in the offensive zone for the Flyers. Their plus 18 shot or plus 18 shot attempt differential, uh, they had 52, Arizona's 32. It's the third largest positive differential in a single game this year for the Flyers. And they also only held the Coyotes to 18 shots the third lowest amount of shots they've allowed against all, all season in a single game. Uh, and like I said, they won 11 forwards and seven defensemen uh, because of the injury or they, uh, yeah, the injury raffle. That's right. Uh, and Hag had two block shots and eight thirteen time wise as the uh, seventh defenseman, pretty much after the Kessel goal, a couple minutes in the rest of the game was just the flyers going to work in the coyotes uh, in the Coyotes zone. The whole issue was that the Flyers are a dump-in team, a dump-and-chase team, and that doesn't really work that much against teams like the Islanders or Coyotes, who pretty much just go into defensive shells because they're anticipating that the puck's going to be down in their own end most of the night, and they have a pretty good defensive scheme when the puck's in their own zone. So I thought the Flyers are getting better chances when they carried the puck into the zone because it kind of knocked the Coyotes off kilter when it came to figuring out where they should be as the puck, you know, wasn't dumped in deep. It was an odd man rush and then involved a lot of east west passing and uh and transition chances, but it's kinda hard to get transition chances when the puck's always in the zone you're trying to score. So I think the goal early kind of hurt the Flyers a lot because then the Coyotes just kind of sit back and thrive where they're they've been winning games, which is just eliminating chances for the other team. So it was pretty boring. It was tough to watch. No, that, no, not a great game. No, it was it was it was rough, but uh, 
I also liked AV pulling the goal early, though. I was a big fan of that. I love that I, move. I, I thought it was very ballsy, very aggressive, and it it was. I mean, it almost paid off. I mean, it worked the first time, and then it sucked because I think I think he wanted to do it again, but there really wasn't a time to get him back out there. He pulled him, pulled him with an offensive zone faceoff with 4:53 left. Nissan scores 10 seconds later, and then the final four, like the next two minutes, there wasn't really a lot of uh, sustained offensive zone time, and then. I think Hayes took a penalty to, to kind of kill any chance of the comeback. So it was just, it was just a frustrating game to watch. But I really wasn't too bummed out because they, I mean, they were coming off that win streak. Well, and, and it's also a team that's, it's a team that's close to the Flyers in the standings. I mean, the, the Coyotes yeah, are, are right below them as far as points and especially yeah. uh, recent points, right? Yeah, and they're kind of, I mean, yeah, they're pretty much. I know I said about the Canucks a couple weeks back, but the Coyotes are another team that. You know, are kind of like the Flyers of the West, where not a lot of people were really expecting them to take a a step this year. Like they were a decent team, but nobody was expecting them to be, you know, maybe a higher seed in a playoff series. But that's kind of where they are in the West as they're working their way up the standings. And uh, their defensive system is just ridiculous. They're one of the best teams in terms of limiting uh, expected goals against. And Kemper and Ranta are having huge seasons, but I think a lot of that is they're playing well. But it's the the systems help them. Uh, you know, cut down like backdoor plays or kind of clear away rebounds pretty quickly or angle shots so you're not just taking on shots with in the middle of the ice to kind of push players out to the perimeter so you're cutting down angles on what shots you have to face. It's, uh, it's a tough system, but, I mean, it's the same shit that's going on with the Islanders. It's, <laughs> they're just, just suffocating teams defensively, and they don't have the prettiest underlying numbers, but they get a lot out of uh, taking away chances in the slot for their opponents and just scoring on opportunities the other way it's the opposite of entertaining sports but it gets you points the trap be coming back my baby and then we have uh the, the win over the senators which wasn't great i mean they came out pretty poorly uh that whole ghost hag goal against was or ghost not ghost hag ghost heart goal was uh was something that was quite a bit of a uh, lack of communication yeah that was some uh, big and- time miscommunication right there not great. Yeah, not great. Uh, 46.58 shot attempts for percentage and a 41.9 expected goals for percentage. Those are terrible numbers stand alone in any game. Uh, absolutely pathetic when you know you're going up against the Senators at home. And no excuses. They're back to back. Nobody was injured. They that's twice to... now that they've they've played down to the Senators. Oh, yeah, they, they that might be a thing with this team because uh, you know the whole the whole thing about November was they they got a lot of points. Nine out of sixteen games won't pass regulation, and they can hang in games. But it's been a while since they've been rare since they've blown a team out. Like just kind of, they did it again last week against the Leafs. But well, they did it I against mean, the Red Wings too. They had a couple games in a row where they yeah they had well the Le- the Leafs one was like the Leafs one was close for a while though right. that was really but the Leafs one. also I mean yeah. I know they fired you know Babcock but they're not a bad team yeah uh, they're not, yeah the Red true. Wings the Red Wings are a bad team and they needed to blow the doors off them. And they did. However, the senators, for some reason, that's, it's two matchups and they just, nope. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, they need to, yeah, I guess they kind of have been blowing teams out, <laughs> but they, uh, they most of their games are just low scoring. And they kind of grind it out more or less. I feel like lately. And uh, I feel like there's going to be more of that with connecting out now, but we'll see. But yeah, the least yeah, I mean the least one was good, and the Red Wings, the Red Wings game they kind of fucked around in the beginning too, and then 
luckily it was the Red Wings. They were like, oh, yeah, we got to actually win this game. So, But the Senators, I don't know what's going on with them against the Senators because it's been – I mean, hopefully next week's game is a little bit better. Hopefully it doesn't get too emotional and they can kind of just take care of business. But we'll see. Uh, going over the rest of the, the numbers from that game, JVR had two assists, even though he doesn't do anything. He has third multi-point game of the season. He had a goal and assist against Chicago in Chicago earlier this year, and then he also had two goals and one assist against the Blue Jackets a few days later in late October. Provorov scored his seventh goal of the season. That was that was a hell of a goal. 2018-19, or 2018-2019 Provorov, seven goals, 19 assists for 26 points in 82 games. 2019-2020 Provorov, seven goals, 12 assists for 19 points in 30 games. Only the offensive numbers, he looks better overall. Right? I mean, he just looks... Oh, yeah. No, he he looks like he's... I I don't know about all the way back, but... Yeah, yeah, I'd say he's he's definitely back in business. Uh, he he yeah. looks a lot more confident, and I mean, just yeah. Uh, and then uh, I mean, yeah, we already talked about Konechny. Um, the top two lines didn't really did a terrible job in terms of uh, driving play. I, I know I talk about the expected goals a lot, but Lindblom, Victoria, and Voracek had fifteen point zero one. That's terrible. They were the top line on Saturday. Uh, that Farabee, Hayes, and Lawton had a uh, 32.4 expected goals for percentage and 816. So both those lines, the the two lines that saw the only two lines that saw over three minutes and five seconds on Saturday, both pretty much got hemmed in their own zone at five on five. Um, and then, like I said, the, yeah, the ghost and heart miscommunication was just, I mean, you can't have that happen at all, <laughs> especially in that time and place where you're hanging on to a lead against a terrible team at home and you just got to close out what was pretty much a shitty day at the office. And they, they just have a weird communication. I really don't know who messed up there. I feel like go should have been still going towards heart. It felt like a play where you just go around the net and pick up the puck. I don't know why he kind of stopped and looked to see where Duclair was. But... Yeah. Just brain farts all around. Yeah. Just not, not, not great. Not great. Uh, and that's, that's what we got on the games. Uh, let's, uh, you want to talk about some kids? You want to talk about these kids, these, uh, Flyers prospects? Maybe we can talk about the prospects. So the 2020, (laughs) the 2020 world junior championship preliminary rosters came out and there's four prospect, four Flyers prospects, uh, on these rosters. So again, preliminary thing can still be cut before the tournament, which is closer to Christmas. I believe it starts on the 26th. Uh, I think it always starts on Boxing Day, actually. So, uh, And the World Junior Championship, for those that don't know, it's an international under-20 tournament uh, that takes place every year around New Year's. So uh, the Flyers are sending, on the, or already on the rosters, are Bobby Brink and Cam York for USA, Igor Zamula for Russia, and then Adam Ginning for Sweden. I, it's actually been so long since I thought about Adam Ginning. I forget how to say his name. But oh, Bobby yeah. Brink and Cam York. Yeah, he's. Uh, I don't know if I need to worry about him being with the uh, the org for too too much longer. But Bobby Brink and Cam York are having pretty solid seasons. They should be on the final team uh, when USA hits the ice later this month. But uh, update on how they're doing so far. Bobby Brink has 11 points, six goals and five assists in 16 games this season as a freshman at the University of Denver. And Cam York has nine points, four goals and five assists in 14 games as a freshman at the University of Michigan. Both those stat lines are pretty good for freshmen uh, playing in the NCAA. And that should only go up, and it's kind of it's kind of nice to know that these were the first two picks under Fletcher, to kind of know that he knows who he's, he's out into the prospect pool. 
Bobby Briggs. Uh, Bobby Briggs. That comes up Briggs truck. Yeah, so, he's uh, uh, you're you're going Briggs truck. I'm going Big Bopper. There we go. No, it's <laughs> it is encouraging, and I I know York was especially uh, a tough pick given the the other C named. Oh yeah, yeah, Cole yeah. Caulfield. Man. Yeah, Cole so, Caulfield uh, was yeah. out there, but uh, yeah, yeah I, I mean, it, it's looking like Cam York's going to be a good one so far. Yeah, I mean, he's been doing, he's been killing it in Michigan, and I think I still think of uh, Charlie put it the best way uh, when the draft came up. It sounded like the Flyers were pretty intent on drafting a defenseman with their first pick, but you still wanted them to add a high-end scoring prospect or a, a guy who a goal-scoring prospect, and. With the way it shook out and with where the Flyers picked, considering the players that are available there in the first two rounds, you couldn't really have done much better than Cam York and Bobby Brink. Like, Fletcher made out pretty good in that deal. Um, so, and so far, it's looking pretty damn good. So hopefully it hopefully it continues and maybe uh, maybe one of these guys will pull a Farabee and we'll be here next year <laughs> after one good year in the NCAA. But Would not complain. Good. I would not complain. I'm not. I'm not expecting that though. That was. That's a hell of a leap. Uh, I still can't. I still kind of can't believe that Fairby did it. But uh, Igor, not Mike Mamula, Zamula, aka the big fella. Uh, 28 points so far this year in 28 WHL games with the Calgary Hitmen. Point per game players at defenseman. Seven goals, 21 assists. Um, highest scoring D-man on the team, tied for fourth in team scoring. He's also the th- ranked third among WHL DMN in scoring. So it's third it's his third year in the league. And again, point per game is pretty good, but it's not as crazy as it sounds. So still killing it. Um and even if you like factor in that the points aren't that ridiculous, uh he's still six foot three, one hundred and seventy six pounds and it looked pretty good in everything we saw with him last year with the Flyers and this year with the Flyers. So whenever he's in uh in training camp and everything and in the whl he he's been killing it so far this season and he he feels like another might be a little too early to to say this or call this but he kind of feels like he might be another phil myers which is just a guy it's an easy comparison to make because he was another undrafted uh signed free agent that hextall made and nobody knew about him before the signing and now it looks like we're going to get to know him here in a couple years and might be on the team and then last but not least is Adam Ginning, who has one goal in nine games for Linkoping HC and the SHL. And he's also got four assists in 16 games with HC Vita Haston and the Al Svenskin. Those aren't, those aren't real places, but uh, <laughs> second round pick in 2018. And he, I, I just, I don't think his game is successful in 2019 or 2020 or 2021. Whenever he's going to be on the roster, I think he's, the way he plays is just a style that is easy to fill and fill that spot with a player that can bring you more than Adam Ginning. He's a big crease clearing guy, kind of, you know, like Robert Hag. Kind of like Robert Hag. That's kind of what this this pick feels like. It was Hag's replacement for when the Flyers didn't want to play uh, pay Hag, and now we have a new GM in place. Who probably isn't the biggest fan of Ginning style and. Um, like you know, getting is if you want a player that's defensive and clears uh, clears a crease and isn't afraid to mix it up. I feel like Niskanen, and Braun and Myers can check off those boxes while also being good at defense or generating some kind of offense. Like there's, it's not just oh this guy could punch somebody in the face on defense. It's okay, he's gonna play defense and also chip in 
somewhere else. So I'm not really, I've never been high on Ginning. I think that's been one of the least like picks I had from the Hextall era, but he, I, I just don't, I don't, I don't think he's eventually going to be on the Flyers, but we'll see, I guess. So that's, uh, there's some kids you might be able to watch uh, later this month, play some hockey on the NHL network, I guess. I don't know where they, I think the NHL network is where they usually show them, but it's usually a pretty good tournament. Uh, the hockey channel, the hockey channel. And usually the Flyers are more, uh, well represented, but it's mainly because all those prospects that were on the, you know, represented the last couple of years are now on the team. So I'd rather have this issue where the young kids are actually playing and we only send like three or four people to this tournament. <laughs> but uh, I wanted to give a quick update too. last week. Uh, we had a why the devil suck and we were correct in our analysis, but I also wanted to update. We forgot the uh, interim coaches, uh, interim coach's name. It's Elaine Nazardine. Uh, he has been an assistant with the Devils since the 2015-16 season, and before that, he was a Baby Pens, aka Guido Pens, uh, assistant coach from 2010-11 to 2014-15. So again, the Devils do suck, but that is the interim coach's name. So we forgot this series. This is a very serious podcast. We want to always make sure we have the uh, the right facts out there for you. Oh yeah, well, and you know, another Elaine and a division where we have the Elaine. No, that's, you know, who he is. We got Big Al. That's a Little Al. Little yeah. Al. Little Al. Little, yeah, a little, little adorable Al. He doesn't know what he's doing yet. He's, he's just trying to be coach. He doesn't know what's going on. I'm Little Al. I'm just here to coach hockey and uh, continue to bring the Devils along in a tank season. He, he, he got the assignment. He's like, all right, I'll, I'll give him the 15 wins, right? Don't worry about it. We'll get this team. We'll get this team. I was near twenty wins. We'll see what happens. Do you think we're uh, not going to be? No, we're not going to be Red Wings bad, but we're going to be bad. <laughs> yeah, that's the Devils' new punchline: is "Hey, we're not that bad." Or who's laughing about the ninety-five cup now? Well, I guess it would still be the. Whoa, whoa, whoa! <laughs> what do you think we are? The Red Wings? <laughs> do you think when uh the the Flyers play the Devils next? Uh, AV and uh, AN are just going to meet out center ice and talk. And then AV is just going to rub Nazardine's head like a, the younger brother and be like, all right, get out of here. I'll see you later. Get lost. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And he's going to play pranks on him. Maybe give him a <laughs> swirly in the toilet. Mid game. He's going to play pranks on him mid game. <laughs> just make fun of him. Uh, and then I had another good questionnaire, or what I think is a good questionnaire. We'll see what you think. And I don't want to, we don't have to keep this, it's just flyers. So you know, surprise, but this was directed my way from, uh, Anna at Gritzy Ross, friend of the show, fan of the podcast. Uh, and then Jesse Spector, who uh, I think he's writing about baseball now, but former hockey writer, uh, still chimes in every once in a while with his opinions. Uh, what's your favorite sports highlight that was immediately overshadowed by something that happened in the same game. So I believe the example he used was Rajay Davis's three run game tying home run in game seven of the 2016 world series for the Indians. And everybody forgets about it because then the Cubs won the fucking world series. So uh, nobody remembers that moment at all. Uh, another one I thought of was the, uh, Jermaine curse catch. I think it was Jermaine curse catch against the Patriots in super bowl 49, where he made a crazy ass circus catch. And then two plays later was, uh, Russell Wilson getting intercepted by Malcolm Butler. So, like, nobody remembers that crazy catch, but it may have been – I think it may have been crazier than the Julian Edelman catch. So, I came up with a couple Flowers ones, but do you have any moments that stick out to you right off the bat, Steve? I'll be honest. I'll be honest. I have not thought too much about this, unfortunately. I think it's a great question. 
I did not get to think about this too much, but I do see a great example you listed here, if I may just uh, just pilfer one of these, because I, I think ahead. it's a good yeah. one, and it might be the one I would think of eventually. But you have Couturier's Game 6 performance against Pitt in 2018. Hat-trick, five yeah. points. Actually, so you've got a hat-trick, five points on a tour in MCL, but yeah. I, you know what? I also want to piggyback off that and uh, just go with the competing hat-tricks that uh, Couturier and uh, Giroux had back in 2012. Oh, yeah. Where they yeah, they that... just overshadowed each other. <laughs> yeah, that is true. Yeah, I feel like, uh, yeah, I think people talk about Drew more about that game. Yeah. So I get Couturier's probably getting overshadowed. Yeah, but they both went off. Yeah, but Couturier gets overshadowed in that game, and that's the first game where Sean Couturier really – like displayed well and displayed the offensive talent that that he had because at that point everybody was just like well this kid's you know he's a great defensive player and for a couple years after that you know that that would be the reputation he's a great defensive player but can he even do anything offensively and and now we know that's silly but uh until like two years ago that was you know that was the reputation yeah, and it was it was real painful that that was his reputation, but I'm happy that we're all here now, where we can all appreciate and love Sean Couturier's game. Uh, I think my favorite thing from that 2012 game, you go back and you watch the highlights. Couturier has a goal where it was a a penguin was skating backwards in the D zone with the puck, looking for an outlet pass, and the announcers are already talking about Couturier, and then this defenseman shoots it, and Couturier just takes it in the arm. And like it falls to the ice, and then he just puts a move on Flurry and scores like immediately. So they're already talking him up, and then he makes this ridiculous D zone draw. Oh, so good! Yeah, he's he's pretty good. I think that's my that's my favorite example that I have here, because I mean it's a five point game on a torn MCL, and nobody talks about it. Nobody talks about it because the Flyers sucked. Well, and, and the they sucked. Eliminated the Caps. <laughs> they sucked so spectacularly. Like yeah, they, like it was... they should have won that game, and they just, they just collapsed into themselves in such a painful, hideous way that it completely negated the efforts of Sean, the heroic efforts of Sean Couturier. That was a lot of, uh, you know, now that he's gone, we can talk about that. That was a lot of uh, Radko Gudis trying to, um, you know, submarine his own team there because he was the he was the reason why Couturier had the torn MCL. He ran into him at practice and then he had one of the worst plays i've ever seen in my life in the third period where he just handed the puck back to the penguins for a goal to make it i think it was the one that made it six to five so he that's actually what chuck fletcher that's what chuck fletcher watched when he came in to the flyers (laughs) and he's like yep trading them you know you can have some of the cap it's fine like oh wait this guy this guy's still here yeah yeah get, get him the fuck off the team uh the other one that would be a positive for the Flyers, I guess, would be Darcy Tucker's hit on Sammy Kapanen. I think everybody remembers the Darcy Tucker hit. Nobody remembers that Jeremy Roddick won the game like a minute later. And that might be like my favorite goal ever. That's another reason why I remember it. But the Oh, yeah, I mean, one of the best. Everybody, is that safe to say that everybody knows the Darcy Tucker hit or has a general idea of what the Darcy Tucker hit is? I would say it... Older fans? Yeah, I, I, uh, Craig... I think it's reaching the point where only older fans know what that hit is. Oh God. We got a lot no, of people who came on. We got a lot of people who came on Carter Richards era at this point. And yeah, no, not, that's true. Yeah. Like people don't know those I early 2000s teams as much as they used to. 
Actually, you know what, what? What might be another good question because this is what made me once the other day was I saw a tweet of like, what's the what's a player that some fans don't know about now from the 2000 2010 era that was just incredible? And I was like, oh man, that wasn't that far away, was it? <laughs> I was like, oh, and like you think about like most people now probably haven't don't remember Chris Pronger playing. Like if you're talking about 2010 and after. Oh no. Yeah. Uh, Lidstrom. Yeah. Hartberg. Oh, we're just talking players in general. Okay. No, I mean like, yeah, I'm just, yeah. Like anybody from like, it's just kind of weird that all those players are already like in an era where new fans don't really understand how dominant they were. Yeah. And like, you know, Chris Pronger's dragging every seventh and eighth seed single-handedly to the cup. There's really nobody, there's not really anybody doing that. Like Carlson did a couple of years ago with the Senators, but then, you know, like we said, Chris Coonan scored on to take him out. So how good were they really? Like it was a lot of, yeah. Um, oh yeah. I mean, there's unbelievable guys. I mean, if there's like, and I also even just like the, I, the Flyers had a lot of guys who weren't quite dominant, but I mean, there were so many underappreciated guys from oh, those early 2000s. Gagne. Exactly. We're on the same page with this one. Cause yeah. I, I think Simone Gagne is a guy who was, he had periods where he was close to being one of the flashier guys, but I mean, he was just such a solid player for years for the Flyers, and he's a, a guy that I, I think a lot of people might not know as well now. That is, God, that is, that really is upsetting, actually. <laughs> it is upsetting, like, because... He was like, I feel like his reception was kind of like Couturier-esque. I don't know how many people really had bad things to say about Simone Gagne. No, no, no nobody yeah, has anything like, bad to say about Simone Gagne, but he is... N- like Keith Primo, for instance, is remembered as being a dominant player defensively from the uh, fr- from that just that oh that just disappointing team. God damn yeah. it! Oh, the old team that just couldn't beat the Lightning. God. Yeah, I was trying to I was trying to pinpoint something. Was from that oh three oh four? Yeah, that was oh three oh four. I was yeah. trying to think of something from back then too, but like there was really I like mean Kim Johnson's goal or Kim Johnson's goal in Game Seven really isn't like. It wasn't memorable. And I think the Flyers are already down 2 nothing anyway, so. Yeah. I mean, you think about it. People obviously know Lindros and LeClaire. Uh, Ryan yeah. Bod, uh always yeah, remembered. And I, I think, you know, Eric Desjardins, it might be an uh, you know, under-the-radar guy from those uh, late 90s teams. He was just quietly one of the best Flyers defensemen of all time. F- uh, fuck, Timo, Timonen might be getting up there now, too. Because the best Timonen was not the last couple of years like of his career. Like the best of team, and it was probably 20, 10, 11, and before, right? Probably, probably. Kimo yeah, uh, Timo had a few years where he was the guy on this team, and uh, he quietly did a great job. I mean, him, him and Eric Desjardins are basically the two, like, the two guys that quietly just were fantastic Flyers defensemen that never get enough credit. Yeah. Can you imagine a team and Niskanen top pair? That'd be quietly very Pro, good. Proveroff, Myers, and then Sanheim, Braun as a third pair. If you could just Sanheim Ghost, yeah, to, yeah. If there's any, if anybody has a time machine, if any of our fans have a time machine, you let us know, and then we'll start. Well, first of all, you should have told us that before because then we Sanheim Ryan Parent. Okay, all right. I think we're done. <laughs> we're do- the podcast is done. Like as Oscar a whole, Bartulis. It's actually it's actually the top four you listed, but it's Ryan Parent, Oscar Bartulis at the bottom. 
What, yeah, if we had like a time machine, I would definitely just bring back like players nobody wants. I'd be like, all right, first order of business, old Christian Tolleson. Let's get him on the line. Let's do this. <laughs> Glenn Metropolit, lock him up. Let's do it. Oh, Glenn Metropolit. God, that's a guy. That's a trivia question guy right there. I mean, I'll tell you what, he was a guy that definitely played for the Flyers. And was we can't really argue that. Technically, yeah. Uh, yeah, he, and then he got traded. I believe he got. They did the classic. The Canadians were in town. They were like, you know what? We should probably trade this guy. And then they were like, what about who's in the other locker room? And then they traded him. And then he played. Pretty sure he played against the Flyers and got like an assist on the game losing goal against the Flyers. So it was a, it was a pretty good week for him. But uh, yeah, that happened back in 2008-09. So um, the other, the third one I had, just because I wanted to talk about the 2010 Cup again. Cardinals passed Breer in game three. I don't know if you remember it. It was the uh, – and it was overshadowed by Drew's eventual overtime winner. But the – Hartnell was falling over, surprise. But he was falling over and not looking at Breer, and he was falling away from Breer. It managed to no-look pass, a pass across the slot to Breer on his tape in the crease with nobody next to him, and he just dunked it. And then the Wells Fargo zone went ballistic. But it was it – was, maybe the best pass I've ever seen Hartnell make in his life. <laughs> oh yeah, he... that was a great pass, but yeah, you're right. The, the Giroux goal was so spectacular and such a like great picture that you just can't help yeah. but think of that. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, I mean, have you been able to think of any other sports fun? This is, this one's on me because I got, I put the outline real late together. Uh, I put it out. I put it together real late tonight. So you this is a better uh, job. Yeah, no, this is this is on me. Uh, I'm trying to think of other ones right now, but I think I think the best one for the Flyers is Sean Couturier's uh, ACL injury. I mean, if anybody else has a better one, go ahead and uh, go ahead and tell me. I'm, I'm like I'm trying to all the I'm confidence in now. That was <laughs> yeah. I was trying to think of like uh, I was trying to think of like the 2010 Winter Classic, the 2012 Winter Classic. Uh, you know, if anything crazy like that happened, but. Uh, or Drew's goal at the the stadium series canceled out Grady running around naked. That could be another one. <laughs> I'll take that one. <laughs> I think people remember both. Thank you. Yeah, that is true. Actually, that was pretty good. Um, last but not least, uh, talk about Jim Montgomery real quick. Uh, so he was. This is more just a news of uh, or a news story about uh, just wonderment. I'm just kind of confused what's going on. The Dallas Stars fi- uh, fired head coach Jim Montgomery today for unprofessional conduct. Um, and there were no abuse allegations uh, and or a reaction to the Board of Governors' new four-point plan. Uh, there's always a Board of Governors meeting every year, and apparently this year they're talking about – Batman was talking about a new plan to put in place to reduce uh, situations like Akeem Alou. So that's been like the big talking point. Over the weekend, uh, the stars say it doesn't have anything to do related to the things that came out about how clubs are going to get treated or punished pretty harshly if new stories come out about what happened in the past and I didn't alert the league. So again, no abuse allegations of the past of current or previous players related to Jim Montgomery. And um, apparently there is no criminal act involved. So there's no criminal investigation going on. So it kind of limits what could happen, but it also, it's not a real clear answer as to what took place. And I, I, I got nothing. I, I, I want to, 
I want to guess gambling. You have you have no baseless speculation on what it could be like. I really I don't know if you have anything. I don't want to. I don't also don't want to like go too too wild with it because I, I'm gonna feel bad if we make fun of it and then it turns out to be the worst thing possible. Which again, I don't know. Like if there's no criminal investigation, I I don't know. I I feel like if something really serious would have happened, some kind of criminal investigation would have happened by now, or like they would comment that it. Or I guess maybe they would say it wouldn't happen and that would still go on, but I don't I don't know. Okay, don't know. okay, so but, let's see. He could be an alien, secretly an alien, space alien of some sort. Could be an alien. That would be yeah. You know, hanging out with Baby Yoda who are <laughs> in the stars. Yoda. Okay, real quick. Are they not selling Baby Yoda merchandise until after Christmas? Did I hear that correctly? They weren't prepared. They you know, they they didn't know it was gonna blow up like this. The hell are they doing? I th- you... they wanted to keep it a secret, and I don't know. Oh, I, that's, I'm done justifying it. I can't justify it any further. Okay, all right. All right, so, okay, uh, it could be a, a series right, of baby... Alan. Okay, so Jim Montgomery, series of Baby Yodas standing on each other's shoulders. Uh, <laughs> baby Yodas, of course, being similar size to French Bulldogs. And... I was going to say, that's the that's Texas version of French Bulldogs. Yeah. Is it Baby Yoda? I mean, they, well, I mean, they do have more... similar ears. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. yeah a little bit. Uh, both aren't dogs, though. So I guess that's where the comparison ends. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, what else could he have done? I mean, he could... Uh... Well, that's. I, I think that's my main theory. Space alien. Probably up in every room he used to go into. That would be my main thing. They just fired him because he wouldn't stop farting around the Dallas Stars practice facility. That would be it. That would be <laughs> one guess. He's just you laying know. out big, beefy farts in every room. And they're like, I've had enough. Yeah, Jim Neal was just at the press conference today. He's like, no, you guys should have smelled some of these. I mean, they were – his brand is ridiculous. I can't do it anymore. Like, what if it's a really ticky-tacky, like, Seinfeld reason? Like, he's a close talker or something? <laughs> well, see, that's like – that's the I, – I guess, like, I get why they didn't really explain any details. It's just right now there's just going to be wild speculation. So I'll buy – He's a sidler. like. He's a sidler. He comes up silently on people, and they, they had to put Tic Tacs in his pocket because he was just sidling way too close to people. He's a he's a he's a double dipper. Oh yeah, he could be double dipper. Absolutely. Soft talker. Uh-huh. Soft talker. Yeah. Yeah. These are all. I mean, this is all better than. I have. I really have no idea. Whatever well, inevitably like, will come out. Yes, it's it's better yeah. than that. But... I was gonna say so. Like no abuse or no criminal. Is that just a. I guess it, it, maybe it was another, probably was another Akeem Alou type incident. I guess maybe would be, would. But I, again, I don't, know, I don't know what is out there. But I guess that would fall in the lines of no abuse allegations, even though that would still, it should still be abuse. I guess I don't know. Who knows? I we'll find out. Yeah. So we'll probably know more tomorrow. But I mean, I I don't know. I, I I'm going with Alien. I'll say Alien was probably the best guess. But it could be a. Until then, we'll we'll hold out, and if it is something serious, we'll definitely talk about it again. So. And I'm going with he only had one dress that he wore every time, and <laughs> that's it. <laughs> All right, you want to do around the league? <laughs> let's go around the league. So it's getting late. All right, Gary Bettman, uh, yeah, NHL commissioner, said that it's likely there won't be a World Cup before the end of the 2020-21 season. So no World Cup this summer. I just, Steve, I wish there was another international competition where 
you could just send your best players and they represent a country, you know, uh, their home country. I just, until that's out there, I guess we're just going to have to wait for this World Cup. Like so, uh, one where they could win medals and, you know, people yeah. and like, honestly, gather together I'm... to watch the games and, and root for their respective countries. Yeah, and Steve, honestly, I'll, I'll, I'll put it out there. This doesn't have to be a hockey thing. You can do it with all sports. So I get everybody together, take a couple days off work, watch a bunch of people skate and sled and then watch them hockey. I think oh. it'll be a great idea. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Oh, wow. All the nations of the world just gather together in a competition of some sort. You know, if only somebody had come up with this uh, many hundreds of years ago. Yeah, but, you know, as they say, people are dumb. So, uh, Duncan Keith is week to week with a groin injury. Andrew Shaw was placed on long-term injury reserve with a concussion. Jason Damaris is week to week with a knee injury. Nick Ritchie of the Ducks is out six to ten weeks because of a sprained left MCL. I mean, Sean Couturier scored a bunch of points on it. So uh, the Seattle franchise could unveil their logo design and colors as well as maybe the team's name by February. That's a news article I read on NHL.com, so please don't get mad at me about that update. Uh, <laughs> flames, what, I what do you think the name's going to be? What do you think the name's going to be? Uh, I'm thinking uh, Seattle Sloth. I'm thinking, again, I still like the idea of just a power move. So Seattle Sounders, or like the Seattle Mariners, just assert your dominance immediately and just let the other teams know that you're, you're part of the city now. My real guess would be I'm hoping the Kraken, but I don't think that's going to happen. Seattle Jazz. <laughs> yeah, take another yeah Seattle deep dish pizza. Like, take another city's identity. The Seattle <laughs> cheesesteaks. Hey, uh, well, I mean, if you want another rivalry in the league, that would definitely piss some people off, I think. It would. Or the, the Seattle Philly steak sandwiches, and their logo's got green peppers <laughs> in the sandwich. The Seattle hanging out down uh, near Pat's and Geno's. By the way, th- this is the this is the last time. It's actually not the last time I'm going to rage about this, but there are no green peppers in a cheesesteak rest of the country. Why do you think? Oh, yeah. Why yeah, do you the... think Philly puts green peppers on everything? I don't understand it. That is true. I mean, it is just. We don't. I can't think of a Philly sandwich, a Philly like special kind of sandwich that includes green peppers. I can't. I, I mean, do you go, do you go onions on a cheesesteak? I mean, you have to, I'm not an get... onion guy, but you know, I respect the choice that is okay. But is that, you don't have the same energy towards onions as you do green, green peppers, right? No, no, no. Onions, onions are makes sense. I feel onion, like that's the, there are crucial components to a cheesesteak and, and onions with or without is that's the crucial okay. question. Right. But yeah, I respect the people who go with, that's fine. That is fine. However, green peppers, come on. Come on. No, no, no. It's not a thing. Yeah, as, as a society, we can tell the green peppers people to go kick rocks. Yeah, yeah go kick, some, go kick rocks, eat a fajita, call it a day. <laughs> eat a fajita. I've never heard that used as a threat, but I will assure you I will be using it as a threat from here on out. <laughs> eat a fajita. <laughs> yeah, why don't you eat a fajita and get lost, huh? Uh, <laughs> so there's uh, the Flames have also signed a new 35-year-old 35-year deal for a new downtown arena uh, with construction beginning in 2021. That was a huge story for the Flames for a couple of years. Will this They're one also be initials. shaped? Will this one also be shaped like a saddle? I think they promised a burning fire will be happening on top of the roof every game. It's a tall order, but we'll see what they can do because it is the uh, the Flames. Uh, also about the Flames, Milan Lucic scored a goal. There he is, professional hockey player. Oh, wow, 27 games. 
with the Flames without scoring his first goal. He reached a 28-game goal drought in total because he didn't score one in his last game with the Oilers. And, uh, I mean, I don't want to say go pick him up in fantasy, but he's got two over his last three games. So I'm sure he's out on the waiver wire. Uh, go fill up your roster. And then last but not least, Bren- defenseman Brennan Minnell made his NHL debut tonight. Uh, he's a 22-year-old right-hand defenseman, uh, and he was invited to the Flyers training camp back in 2016. I think he was there another year too, but it's a pretty good job for him to bounce around a bunch of different training camps and eventually work his way up to an NHL roster. So I just wanted to point that out. That's all I got, Steve. We're done. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, wow. All right, well, folks, thank you so much for listening. If you have any feedback, the best place is on twitter.com.org.edu.ca. You can reach Craig at Sports Are Bad. Yep. And, uh, yeah, there should be a, a, a return flight tomorrow. And then I am uh, I, I am filling in on Thursday for BSH Radio. So get ready Ooh. for that. Yeah, no. So if you... Just uh, you. Yeah. Just, just me. It's just going to be me there. It's going to be me and Taylor and uh, wherever. Yeah. So, so it's just Craig with professional sound doing Q and A's. So it's, it's going to be me trying to do an impersonation of all the, everybody else on the podcast. Oh, that I would pay to hear. Like it will be my final podcast with BSH and I will effectively be fired. So, oh yeah. Yeah. No, stuff will fire you instantaneously for that. (laughs) I haven't fired in a minute though. I will say that it's been a, yeah, been a been weeks you can reach me at flyperbole or at estee bomb but make it flyperbole follow bsh radio follow broad street hockey and be sure to listen to all of our great programming you've got the flyers forecast with craig and i looking at the flyers week ahead we had a fresh one on tuesday so check that out uh be sure to check out checking out the competition bill's post games and bsh radio and the bsh brief kelly hinkle runs down the flyers week that just happened All this great content, this tangy tent, come to you on Broad Street Hockey. And what a year it's been for Broad Street Hockey. Thank you for the continued support, and we really do appreciate it. And uh, lastly, quick plug, Festivus Party coming up on the 21st. Be there. Flyers Senators, right? Yet again? Yep. The team they always play great against? Could be a a pretty crazy game. Should come out, even though the Senators suck. Yeah. I mean, the, the gang's going to be there. You should come out. It's going to be a great time. So, folks, thank you for listening. And until next time, good night and good hockey. Hello, everybody. This is Fly Purbly. It is a podcast about hockey, mostly the Flyers, but also other hockey things, like other hockey teams that play the sport of hockey. Steve, but not Steve Hartnell, and Craig, but not Craig Ruby. No, this isn't all those hockey guys. These are the guys who watch the hockey sport. Yeah! Flop over me. 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 Flop over